and welcome to Hitting Play, the podcast where we review, analyze, and discuss shows, movies, and other curiosities. I am Scott, your co-host and moderator for this episode. Joining me is someone who hugs their destiny, Lily. Why, hello there, Scott. Also joining us is a guy who never eats crackers in the bed of his future, Sean. Yes, that's very true. Hello. <laughs> and we are also joined by a special guest from the movie riffing group One Wall Cinema, who can currently be found on RiffChacks.com. K1, a.k.a. Kevin, welcome to Hitting Play. Thanks. Hopefully I don't ruin your podcast for you. Nah, it's been ruined many times over. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's, that's already been done, so I mean, Oh, good. I, I spilled tea on my microphone about ten minutes ago. That came pretty close, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, this week we watched an episode of the animated series The Tick, the great superhero parody from the mid-90s, and more specifically the first episode entitled The Tick vs. The Idea Men, and it originally aired in the Fox Network's Fox Kids block on September 10th, 1994. So before we get into this, I'd never realized this, but when I did a little bit of digging, this, you know, the tick actually inspired the Crimson Chin, who was a superhero-like character in one of my favorite childhood cartoons, The Fairly Odd Parents. So the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, this character seems so incredibly familiar. I've definitely <laughs> seen them, heard them somewhere. I'm trying to think that was Jay Leno that did uh, Crimson Chin, right? Yes. Yep, and a very similar design to the Tick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny. It for those that don't know, the Tick is it's basically the story of this big muscular guy in a blue suit and his sidekick Arthur, who's dressed as a white moth, and their adventures in a city that's overpopulated by these silly superheroes and equally incompetent villains. And uh, it's a show that I I grew up watching. I always loved this show. Yeah, I'm really glad we're doing this. You know, it's one of these shows that I've seen the character and of course the comics before but i've never delved into it never watched um an episode of the tick before uh today or yesterday so really uh was a treat and something we'll be watching again um and very family friendly also yeah. oh yeah amazing i was i enjoyed it a whole lot i was yeah. sad that my generation missed out on it <laughs> your generation yeah. missed on many things i know what do i have now like... nothing Lady Gaga, Katy Perry. That's, that's it. Yeah, Gangnam sorry. Style. Gangnam <laughs> Style. Yeah. I know. Even Phineas and Ferb's ending, you know, in another month or two. Is it really? Yeah. Like, are totally they in college? Done? Yeah. Final episode. Jeez. Oh, wow. That's that's the one that I've never really watched, but that's I hear it's good. That's a great show. Yeah. I know every word to the opening song. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think Gravity Falls might be ending too, but I'm what? not 100% sure on that one. That Disney. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. I... I trying to think i hadn't watched uh this episode of the tick since probably man since maybe since it was on tv i mean i know i you know had an old vhs tape that i recorded it on but i hadn't watched it in i don't know how long so yeah this was my first viewing of the tick probably in at least 15 to 20 years yeah now i was, I was doing some digging on the history of the Tick, because I wasn't too familiar, and basically, as far as superhero characters go, the Tick probably came from the smallest of beginnings. He was originally conceived as the mascot of the New England Comics Norwood, Massachusetts store. They, uh, I believe New England Comics has eight locations. And uh, in 1986, Ben Edlund, who's the creator of the Tick, 
He was a, an 18-year-old cartoonist, and I thought he worked there, but no, he was just a frequent customer, and he specifically drew this character for their newsletters. And over time, the appearances, they grew, and they expanded into full stories. It began with New England Comics Newsletter number 14 and 15, that's September-October 1986, and featured a three-page story called The Tick, in which the tick begins his adventures by escaping a mental institution. So that, that is his origin story. And these newsletters, they became so popular that the store decided to give him financial backing for a black and white comic book series. And issue number one came out in June 1988. And the tick comics are published and sold at uh, New England Comics locations right down to this day. Yeah, and uh, actually me and Scott, it's a little known fact that we are actually part owners of The Tick because we spent so much money at New England Comics. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Uh, so we have stock in, this, in The Tick and uh, merchandising for The Tick. So I don't know. I think I'm close second. Yeah, you're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> and we I, have, you, uh, have you ever gone there, Kevin? New, uh, New England Comics? Yeah. I was... Well, there, there's one that's uh, within walking distance of my house, actually. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the, uh, the one in Brockton. Yeah, so I've been there, uh, been to the one in Quincy quite a bit, and uh, as well as uh, the original one. And is Norwood the original one? I think so. Okay. I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, those are great stores. And I've always noticed they've had a ton of tick memorabilia, even like in the early 90s, mid 90s. And uh, yeah, now I see why. So basically, we got this show because while Ben Edlund was a, a college student and working on the tick comics... He was approached to license his characters for for merchandising because at this time, finding small independent characters and spinning them off into toy lines and cartoon series was a very, very lucrative business. The uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are, you know, probably the best example of this. I mean, even now, to this day, they're still making money off of it. But, of course, the tick never came close to matching the Ninja Turtles' success. Did uh, did any of you guys have the toys? I know you you mentioned you had some, Kevin. Yep, yep. I had a whole mess of them. Uh, trying to think, uh, most of them are still in the packaging. So, yeah, you were smart. <laughs> well, I, a lot of them I bought two of, so one I could actually take out and play with, and uh, the other one, you know, I just kind of kept aside. Yeah. So, so somewhere at my parents' house, I have a complete set of the original run of uh, the Ninja Turtles, and. It's in a box somewhere, and we just can't find it. Oh, no. Oh, it's horrible. uh, Every time I'm down there, I'm like, ah, digging through the basement. It's got to be here somewhere. Yeah, tell them no yard sales. Exactly. Oh, man. My uh, Michelangelo is uh, now uh, currently buried somewhere in a pile of dirt in uh, northwestern Connecticut. (laughs) I have only got hand-me-down, out-of-the-box, Star Trek The Next Generation, like action figures for my parents. Well, those are cool. Yeah, yeah I we, know, that's cool. We've still got, you know, a whole tub full of, you know, action figures and stuff like that. You know, Star Trek, uh, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, Star Wars, all sorts of stuff. That's awesome. So. Yeah, I never I never got rid of any action figures I've ever owned. I just kind of put them away, and that's cool, especially if you got kids. Mm-hmm. I wish I could so, say yeah. the same. That would have been fantastic. I had so many Star Wars action figures back in the day, <laughs> early 80s. Ugh. Buy those now, unbelievable. No, no, Kevin, did do you have the man-eating cow action figure? That is one I don't have, unfortunately. That is one I had been looking for when I was, I don't know, 
12 years old. I remember that was a character that came up in the show. Mm-hmm. And I saw that they were making a figure of it, and that's probably one of the earliest examples of my love of obscure characters. I thought it was so cool that they were going to make a figure of this very funny, you know, ancillary character. And I, I remember asking the lady at Toys R Us, she's like, do you have the man-eating cow? <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine, like, these stupid kids, these stupid toys. But uh, that's one that I, I never found, I never saw it, and then uh, I guess it was a rare figure yeah i i'd never saw one myself so but i guess it even had its own comic book run the man-eating cow really <laughs> yeah Are you serious yeah <laughs> that's fantastic so it wasn't just created for the show it was actually one of ben edlin's characters in his stable of characters i might have to track that down <laughs> <laughs> so uh eventually ben edlin was able to work with sunbow entertainment and this is the production company that also launched uh, G.I. Joe and the Transformers. So, and Gem. Oh, and Gem, yeah, truly outrageous. Oh, <laughs> and the ever-popular uh, Bigfoot and the Muscle Machines, whatever whatever nonsense that is. Oh, my goodness. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I, I think it was like a monster truck. The monster truck stuff, yeah. Bigfoot yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, no wow, idea. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. So Sunbow gave uh, Ben Edlund a guy named Richard Libman Smith to work with him. And they worked on a couple of drafts, and they they were kind of shot down by Fox. And then finally, they came came up with a draft for a pilot that Fox was able to greenlight. And on a side note, also writing on the the series was Christopher McCulloch, who had uh, previously worked on the Tick comic books as well. And he now works under the name of Jackson Public. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Well, he's he created a, another great animated superhero parody. It's almost a good companion piece to to this series. It's called The Venture Brothers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it still airs on Adult Swim. You know, it they've taken some years off between seasons, but uh, Ben Edlund has also written a few episodes for that. So, two guys kind of uh writing for each other. Uh and it's uh it's a great it's more of an adult show than this, but uh Great superhero parody, also. So the uh, the Tick it ran on Fox for thirty six episodes over three seasons, and it was followed in two thousand one by a very short lived live action adaptation starring Patrick Warburton. Now, do you guys remember that? Absolutely. I do not. <laughs> no, I don't either. I... Oh, <laughs> I'm missing I something. <laughs> you got to track it down. It's uh, I believe it. Yeah, it's out. On, it's out on uh, DVD. Yeah, it was on Netflix not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Was it really? Yeah, but not uh, yep. anymore. I looked for it uh, yesterday. Now, didn't they change the characters slightly from live action to cartoon? Yeah, yeah, a couple of them, uh, like uh, American Maid. Um, I think she's <laughs> Lady Liberty or something like that. Yeah, I see that here. Yeah, and yeah, Bat Manuel. Well. Uh, yep, Batman Well <laughs> instead of uh, Deflator Mouse. But see, I didn't. I didn't care for the live action one as much. I I don't know. Maybe I didn't watch enough of it. Yeah, it definitely wasn't as good as the cartoon, um, which probably is why it got canceled. But then again, it was on Fox, so that could also be why it was canceled. They yes, canceled no stuff at the drop of a hat. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they it was on I'm trying to think the same time as like uh, Andy Richter controls the universe. Oh, yep. so. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so many things that need to be animated in the Tick story. Yeah, it's hard to kind of translate that to a live action. We've seen some difficulties with other uh, cartoon series that have tried that, such as the uh, ill-fated Justice League. 
<laughs> series oh yeah. of the of the early nineties. Yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> the only and... I mean, especially with uh a superhero that's kind of mocking the whole thing. The only place in live action I've ever seen that done well is Doctor Horrible's sing along blog with uh, Neil Patrick Harris and yep. Nathan Fillion. That was I in my opinion pretty well done. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I'd heard good things about it. I've got the DVD, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, one other note I had on the uh, the live action. Uh, Amazon actually is looking to do a reboot of the live action with uh, Patrick Warburton. Really? Um, huh. Yep. And it's uh, supposedly it's going to be a little more uh, darker than the original live action, and a little more like the uh, the comics. Huh. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. probably in a a time now where they can cheaply get a little bit better with their CGI and, and things like that. Cause uh, the tick really needs to be destructive. Yeah. You know, and yeah. clumsy. A little more Unless... affordable now to do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Now, um, Ben Edlin now, do you guys know what he does now? I do not. He, he went on to work for, uh, many TV shows, including, these are pretty much all of Sean's favorites here. Revolution, <laughs> Firefly. Yep. Yep. And currently he's a writer and a co-executive producer on Gotham. I don't hmm. like that show though. Well, I don't like Gotham. No. Really? That's that's. Huh. I don't like Gotham. I'm sorry. You can't have Bruce Wayne as a kid. <laughs> I don't care. My favorite on uh, the best show, Tom Sharpling said, uh, "Yeah, I'll catch season. What does he say? I'll catch season twenty when the kid yeah, comes exactly. Batman." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly my thoughts on that too. Oh, uh, the other shows, superhero shows from DC, The Flash is excellent, and Arrow is is pretty good. So. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. They should call it Green Arrow. I 100 yep. agree. <laughs> See, I'm not the only one. You guys said I was the only one. I don't Green recall Arrow. calling you the only one, but yeah. you did say it. <laughs> you <laughs> edit that part out conveniently. <laughs> I'll just edit that part out too. Yeah, you go. I know. <laughs> you can't win. All right, so let's get right into this episode. We we start. It's kind of an odd beginning. We start with the word begin. In white on a black background. And then we see the tick. He's voiced here by Townsend Coleman. And man, this guy, he's still a voice actor. Still working down to this day. Very, very accomplished. His credits are, like, too numerous to mention. And he's along here with Arthur. Now, does anybody know who does the voice of Arthur here? I do. In this episode, or actually for the first season, I believe, it's actually Mickey Dolan's. It's pretty funny. That That's hilarious, actually. And for those that don't know, Mickey Dolenz is of the Monkees. Yes. Hey, hey. He also uh, <laughs> voiced uh, Captain Lemming, too, it looks like. Yep. Yeah. Yes, he did. And uh, actually, uh, was it uh, Townsend Coleman that you said yep. uh, that does the tick? He actually did Waldo on the 1991 TV show, Where's Waldo? Oh, man, I forgot about that show. <laughs> I never. That's the first time hearing of this. Wow. Where, yeah. Where, where, so where, where, where? I, I was just. I was amazed. I was like, "Hey, we found Waldo." <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it, they made cartoons of everything back then. Yep. Taking over the role of Arthur for seasons two and three is Rob Paulson, who is a another prolific voice actor. He did uh, voices on Animaniacs, and he still does voices on the Ninja Turtles. He was on the original Ninja Turtles. And uh, he, he's done two different turtles, uh, Raphael and Donatello. Yeah. And he has a great uh, podcast about uh, cartoon voiceover. I forget what it's called, but you can just look up uh, Rob Paulson on iTunes and uh, and check it out. It's really good. Yeah, And he also did uh, Caped Chameleon in The Tick. Oh, is he? 
Yep. Okay, so he was there from season from season one too. Okay. So we see the the two characters here. They're sitting on green chairs with microphones and and cups of coffee, and we have this this British interviewer uh, talking to them. This isn't really anything we revisit. This is the only scene. I don't know if maybe it got cut. You'd think they would try to like bookend the show with this, but just starts kind of like in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he asks, how long have you been a superhero? And the tick replies, me? Well, I guess I've always been a superhero. I don't know much else. (laughs) So when you do the research and you find out that Tick started out as a guy in a mental institution that escapes, it's probably best that this is his origin story. (laughs) But he doesn't know where he came from, and we just see him being interviewed, you know, probably probably for the best for the kids. Yeah. Yeah, make it a PG. And uh, it starts, it's pretty funny, they, it starts in Reno at the National Super Institute where the superheroes show off their talents for a panel of superhero judges and they, they are assigned which city they're supposed to defend. It's basically an audition-like situation where the roles of city defenders are awarded. And the Tick bursts into this auditorium carrying a huge box with <laughs> spikes and all kinds of implements of torture. This is called the Cabinet of Terror. <laughs> it's the deadliest engine of destruction that 1974 has to offer. Yeah, you know, like, you'd keep plates in it and such. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Tick, I guess he's going to demonstrate his pain threshold? I don't know. So he sits in the thing and, and nothing really happens except a, a small bump on the forehead much to Tick's disappointment, but then from the top of the contraption drops what looks to be like a small atom bomb or something. <laughs> yeah, like a warhead. <laughs> it's so funny. It blows everything up except for him and the uh, the panel of judges who sit there and they're stunned and charred in a pile of smoldering rubble. And uh, <laughs> the broken monitor behind them displays just the words, The City. So that's the, <laughs> the name of the city. Just The and City. Just The and- City. <laughs> did you guys happen to catch uh, who the judges were? I did not. No. Ah, it, it's actually a Fantastic Four parody. It's uh, Rubber Justice, Earthquaker, and the Fiery Flame. Oh, I did see oh, some look like, uh, yeah, Elastic Man. Or, yeah. Yep. Go, going in, like, doing research on the, the names of the characters and, and who they are for the series, is, and even in the comic book series, it's hilarious, some of these guys. And uh, I actually have a, a book uh, called Mighty Blue Justice that kind of gives a whole mess of info. Um, and they actually have a National Super Institute uh, Convention newsletter in it um, <laughs> that kind of talks a little bit more about it. And um, I'm trying to think, there was, it said, uh, Fishboy, the misplaced prince of Atlantis, was assigned Bangor, Maine, and he, <laughs> and he didn't see a villain for 18 months. Uh, super villains tend not to make it up to New England. <laughs> <clears throat> Good news for us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then uh, a quote from the uh, the Blowfish Avenger. I've got a good feeling about my future, even though technically speaking, New Rochelle is close to New England. <laughs> so I just th- thought that was kind of funny. And then uh, it also has one of uh, Blowfish Avenger's business cards. Um, it says, call 555-3412 to activate the Blowfish signal light. So <laughs> if anyone figures out the, you know, the area code for the city. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's funny. When did that book come out? Was that out during the cartoon series? I think so. Let me check. May of 97. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So probably after season three. And these, it's funny because The Tick aired briefly on the Comedy Central 
and it, it aired at night. They had like a block where they would air uh, Dilbert, I believe, and The Critic, and The Tick. And it really gained a big adult audience from those airings as well. Well, the humor in it's slightly sophisticated. Yeah, that's that's a good, uh, actually a good bunching, good pairing for the show. The Critic is an excellent show um, for that same genre. Yeah. And so is Dilbert, really. I mean, I learned that lesson showing my kids Dilbert once. That's Scott's <laughs> recommendation. Well, of course, I recommended to Sean, like, oh, your kids love reading the Dilbert comics. You should show them the show. It's on Netflix. They'll probably love it. We put it on, and it's the one about, like, organ harvesting. Because <laughs> the humor can tend to be a little dark in Dilbert. Yeah. Yeah, a bit. <laughs> Great show, though. Oh, yeah. So we, we see the tick. He's riding in a bus, and it's driving down a desert highway, and he's crammed into a seat. We really get a good sense of scale here. This guy is huge, and he will not fit normal chairs and, and couches where, uh, you know, where people would normally fit comfortably. And he, yeah. he sits there, and he's soliloquizing to himself about how he's de- <laughs> destined to be a superhero, and he delivers lines like, You don't eat crackers in the bed of your future, or you get all scratchy. <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment, there's... A kid or someone sleeping in the seat in front of him with a t-shirt that just says honesty, I'm pretty sure. And I wasn't, I don't know if that's a reference to anything. I just thought it was bizarre. That is bizarre. <laughs> Subliminal messaging for children watching the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, the tick mobilizes himself while honesty is dormant or something. I don't know what the subliminal messaging is there. <laughs> I think you're reading too much into it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there are some funny t-shirts in the show. I know the Dinosaur Neil, who you see in the in the opening credits, there's a Tick has a t-shirt that says, like, I dig Dinosaur Neil at one point. Uh. And they made a, uh, they made a, a t-shirt, or they made a figure where he's wearing that shirt, and another one where it's like, I love wheat, or I like wheat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's pretty, you know, offbeat and kooky. So the people that are trying to sleep on the bus, they're getting very annoyed at the Tick's loud ranting, because he's, like, shouting as he's talking to himself, but he is really projecting throughout the entire bus. And uh, people are groaning, and Tick gets angry at them, saying, like, hey, I'm narrating here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So we, we he finally enters the city, and we, we see that the city is already populated with superheroes. I mean, they're literally bumping into each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they fly and collide into one another. <laughs> and we cut to Arthur. He's a, a short, doughy man, and he's working hard at his desk job as an accountant. But uh, he's not like the others in his department. He's wearing an all-white bodysuit, along with these spherical goggles and large antenna. But uh, Arthur's boss approaches him, tells him that it's time for him to move on to pursue other avenues of employment. So pretty much firing him. And uh, Arthur asks if it had anything to do with his work. But uh, his boss assures him it had nothing to do with his work, but it's because of his stupid bunny costume. <laughs> that was very funny, yeah. <laughs> and he carries the wings in his briefcase. And this is a clarification that he's going to have to make many times over. So um, at this point, I've got a question for all of you. If you had to work in an office setting... And you had one animal where you had to wear the spandex bodysuit up to work every day. <laughs> Which spandex bodysuit would you choose? Any animal you wanted. Wow. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. 
you're you're gonna look goofy no matter what. Exactly. So pick your poison. Yeah. So you gotta maybe pick something that gives you an advantage. Right. I don't know hmm. what that could possibly be in an office environment. <laughs> All right, I'll go first. Please. I've I've thought about this long and hard. I guess so. <laughs> Man, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's the only thing that has opposable thumbs that I can think of off the top of my head. I would choose a monkey bodysuit. That way I could still write in my office cubicle. I wouldn't have, like, hooves to deal with, you know? So if you had a bodysuit, you would it'd have yeah, hooves Yeah, like, like your it? hands would be your hands. You wouldn't have hooves. Well, see, if I were a bodysuit, I'd go all the way. I'd want, you know, matching. I've never saw a bodysuit with hooves before. I, I'm sure it's on Amazon somewhere. <laughs> Plus I'd have a tail. Especially if it was, I guess if it's a bodysuit, it's not a useful tail, but. Yeah, but if it's a desk job, the tail would just kind of get in the way if you're sitting down all the time. Yeah, yeah. one of those chairs true. with the That's holes true. in the back. I mean, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> the ideal situation is something with no, like, large ears, no tail, no extra appendages. Probably nothing covered in, like, fur or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. any ideas, Scott or Kevin? Any, uh, any thoughts? I, I don't know. I mean, guinea pig would... You know, have the no tail thing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Wouldn't have huge ears, but you know, it would have fur. But if it's just a spandex suit, then that the fur is not really a. Uh... Yeah, not an issue. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a pug because <laughs> I think the ears would be small. They'd kind of sit down on the side. I could put them over my ears to drown out my coworkers' ridicule. The curly <laughs> tail, I could sit on like a cushion. Yeah, but I think you'd have breathing problems. You'd have to like run into a wall beforehand. Well, what am I? What face. am I? Method now? Am I gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll stick with it. No, no. I'll stick that, with that's a valiant. Well, I would say I would go as one of the um, actually the head cat in the Broadway show Cats. What's that head cat's name? Anybody know? McCavity. Is that? No, that's <laughs> the guy from the uh, the toothbrush commercial. McCavity. <laughs> I don't know. I, I would say probably maybe a chameleon would be would be helpful if you had to, you know, kind of sneak out. Oh, that's true. All right. As long as there's no plaid. No right? plaid or, uh, yeah, difficult uh, <laughs> patterns. Yes, as we'll see, that, that does become an issue. I think Kevin has the best answer here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can continue. <laughs> now that that is an important side note is... Uh, Take it into consideration. Very interesting thing to ponder. Certainly something that I've never thought about before. I have to think of some interesting question for each episode we watch. You certainly nailed it. That was very interesting. <laughs> it, was, it actually was McCavity, but I would actually go as Rum Tum Tugger. Would be my cat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So pretty much Arthur gets fired and uh, Arthur's boss decries his individuality is something that's just making everybody else uncomfortable. And... Arthur explains that he's wearing the suit because it's just this desire that he has. It's this need that he has to pursue. He's compelled to pursue it. And it's funny, as he makes his explanation, we see the crusading chameleon appear on a nearby roof and he's crawling across the window. So, I mean, this the city's just littered with superheroes. So, we see that Arthur's not really that out of place as much as uh, it se he seems in his department. But uh, he... he realizes that he can't live this life as he was any longer so he happily takes his wing briefcase and he walks out of the office and uh, he says that the moth suit and wing road is much less traveled and more exciting than the road of taxes 
I think he really needs to walk his way to the therapist's office. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's quite the amount of deranged people here. <laughs> it's my calling to wear this moth suit <laughs> everywhere I go. Yeah, not much of an origin story for these characters, which is just fine. Yeah, they don't need it. He's probably the most stable character in the in the show at this point. Yeah, he really. really is. I mean, considering. At least he knows he has a problem. Yeah, he knows he has an issue, you know. He <laughs> tries to make it work with his job and just doesn't, you know, they liked him, it seemed like. You know, he, he was a good employee besides his, his suit. So it wasn't his work <laughs> ethic that sold him down. Tried to follow a respectable career path, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden just derailed. That's right. So we we then cut to the bus terminal as the tick arrives, and we, we also get a sense that he's huge, like, in build, but also he's very massive in his weight, too. I mean, as he gets off the bus, he completely tilts it to one side, and as he steps off, it completely snaps back to the other side, smashing the bus and the bus next to it. And uh, we get a very disturbing moment where he, he speaks directly to the city, saying, It is I, the Tick, your destined defender. Show me where it hurts. <laughs> he sees this tall skyscraper that catches his eye, and he just says to himself, Tall. And uh, he goes up to the top floor and get a better look at the city. And he proclaims to himself that he's going to begin his patrol of the city with one giant leap. Jumps from the very top of the building... And he goes from rooftop to rooftop, and he's just cracking roofs all along the way. And it's just throughout this series, you'll notice that wherever the tick goes, property damage follows. Destroying everything. (laughs) Which is a funny name for him to have, the tick, considering he's so large. Yes. (laughs) It's just, the irony of it is hitting me now. I have no idea how, why it took me so long, but... (laughs) The tick went through some changes, too. He originally was going to be brown. But they felt as though, you know, it wouldn't be the best use of color. So they, they decided to make him that blue color. But then later on in the in the series, we get an episode, The Tick versus The Tick. And there's a another guy, Barry Hubris, I think his name is. And he's the, the other guy that calls himself The Tick. It, they fight each other and everything is pretty funny. One of his arch rivals. So Arthur now is wandering the streets. He's now unemployed. He's wondering where he's going to find excitement in his life. And at the same time, the tick, still on patrol, he leaps down and lands in the middle of the road in front of him. And he sinks into the asphalt up to his waist and just <laughs> screams. <laughs> really, really funny. And he says the gravity is a harsh mistress. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so this is where we get their first meeting. And they agree to have lunch with uh, an adventure to follow. And uh, we cut to the tick and Arthur at a nearby diner. And uh, do you, did you guys catch the visual reference here? I did not. Was it the uh, kind of that painting or that picture? I don't know what it's called. Yeah. It's uh, it's parodied a lot in different things. I've seen Star Wars versions of it and other versions of it. Yeah, this is a, a parody of Edward Hopper's 1942 painting entitled Nighthawks. Yes, yes. Okay. Very nice visual reference. Shows that the, the show's a little more sophisticated than uh, than people think. Well, at this point, my children who are watching with me commented on the butts of both the Tick and Arthur. <laughs> so I wanted to pass that along. They noticed that, and they were laughing at the the butt cracks that the characters both had. <laughs> you know, my, my two kids were equally amused by that. <laughs> that's funny. So that scene really had something for everybody. <laughs> cool. Testament to the greatness of this show. 
And uh, there's a guy with the outrageous quiff going on. Oh, yeah. So, um, I've never seen a quiff any quiffier than that. <laughs> yeah. Was that? Uh, the, the caped wonder, that guy? Yeah, the Superman. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. The mild-mannered reporter for the Weekly World Planet. <laughs> now, we don't see him as the caped wonder in this episode, though. No. no. He's just the... He can't find anywhere to he's change. He's just trying to exactly. change, yeah. I know he was in the comics. It's like Clark Oppenheimer or something like that. <laughs> uh, and his headquarters was like the Fortress of Fortitude or something. That's funny. Yeah, not so subtle reference. Yep. There was, in the uh, the live action, there was kind of a play on this character, kind of like some of the other ones that they modified slightly. Uh, it, I think, anyway, that that's kind of what they were going for, is uh, the champion on the live action one. Okay. Yeah, and you'll notice in... Uh... In the Venture Brothers as well, there's a very obvious parody of the Fantastic Four, and Johnny Johnny Quest is pretty much the Venture Brothers. It's like uh, you can make direct parallels to characters. It's it's pretty great. Just modified just enough to avoid lawsuits. <laughs> so the, as the Tick and Arthur are sitting at this diner, the Tick is talking about the city, and a fellow diner asks him what his costume is, and... Uh, the Tick replies that it's not a costume. He is simply the Tick. It's a very disturbing thought that this is uh, just a part of his body. <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned before, like the Tick will wear t-shirts. And we, we never really see him out of the costume. If he wears clothes, it's over that blue suit. He must really need to wash it. <laughs> I think it's a little less disturbing than the, the thought of him being a escape mental case. So there's an explosion in the distance and... Tick and Arthur alerted to the danger, and uh, we see that fellow diner, another one, say that he has only seconds to change into his costume. This, of course, is the... Uh, what, what was his name? Caped? Uh, the Caped Wonder. Caped Wonder. And he runs to the restroom, and uh, he's going to have difficulty finding a place to change throughout this episode. But we cut to a huge crater in front of a bank, and it's the Reeve Droit Savings Bank and Loan. Now, Lily, do you know what Reeve Droit is in French? <laughs> Something right. I, uh, I, um, can't determine the first word that you're saying. Reeve. <laughs> Reeve. I don't think you're can pronouncing you it correctly. <laughs> can I buy a vowel? R-I-V-E. Uh, I have no idea. Well, it translates to right bank. Oh, see, I didn't know the word for bank. It, but got the right part correct. So. It's pretty funny. It's the Reeve, well, you know, in my American accent here, it's the Reeve Droit Savings Bank and Loan. And their their slogan is the right bank for you. Ah. Funny tangent going along those lines. <laughs> uh, the school I went to uh, through eighth grade, uh, it was, we had French, like first through eighth grade. And then... Uh, when I went to high school, it was they only had Spanish, and it was uh, pri both were private schools. So there was a couple of us from the same school that also uh, we all went to the same high school, and we got sent to the principal's office. I don't know how many times because we would answer like the entire Spanish test in French, <laughs> not intentionally, but <laughs> just because we had eight years of French, and it was just you know it just happened and you know you say do you think this is funny like, what are you talking about <laughs> we had no clue how what can we they fault you for that yeah i mean come on that's exactly 
That's awesome. That's yeah. crazy. Once, That's once we, ex- yeah, once we, you know, explained it, he's like, you've done this on like the past two tests. <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> Sorry. Now, I, I grew up also in the same school district as you. Yep. Now, if you actually took uh, public school, as I did, they did uh, something just as confusing. Six and seven, uh, sixth grade was half French and half Spanish. Seventh grade was all Spanish, and eighth grade was all French. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Totally confusing. Then uh, high school, they gave... I, I went to a different high school than that school system where... We had four years of Spanish, but uh, yeah. And I had Spanish up until the fifth and sixth grade, and then seventh and eighth, we switched to French. But then when you got to high school, you could take Spanish, French, Latin, or Greek, yeah. believe it or not. Oh, Chinese, wow. Mandarin Chinese also. <laughs> oh, and Mandarin, Mandarin now. Chinese, That's new. Yeah. Nihau. But Nihau. I took the French route, had four years of French, been to France. Oh, keep on showing off with your French. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Couldn't speak French fluently, not at all. That's all we hear is the French all the time. You'd be all set in France as long as you don't do any banking. That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. So as we see the that the Tick and Arthur are now dealing with this commotion at the bank, the crusading chameleon is at the top of a roof, and he's springing into action, leaping from chimney to water tank, and he's changing colors along the way. It's a very funny visual gag and we see as they arrive on the scene there's three men in suits and metal masks with tommy guns standing guard and i I forgot about when saturday morning cartoons actually had real guns in them kind of dates this show yeah it does now if you put guns in a cartoon end of the world an issue (laughs) and the tick says this is definitely illegal So the, the Tick asks Arthur if he can fly, but unfortunately Arthur left his wings back at the diner. So the Tick yells, no time, and he just grabs Arthur and he leaps the two of them to the top of the roof. A very, very strong guy. And they smash down through the window on the roof and into the center of the bank. And there's more masked guys with, with guns awaiting them. And they draw their guns on them and Arthur passes out saying, uh, I think I'll lie down here for a minute. And we cut to commercial. So why don't we take this opportunity to take a commercial break of our own and we'll pay some bills and we'll be right back. Sometimes your morning routine doesn't go as planned. That's when you make the call. Spread them. I I need your help. Alright, hit me with the specs. Uh, Wheat toast, uh, pre-buttered, needs strawberry jelly. It just came out of the toaster. It's gonna cool down. I just... Hey, 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 help is on the way, okay? I just need you to calm down and stay on the line. We talking seeds or seedless? Uh, I, I don't know. Okay, turn on your kitchen light. Hold the jar up to it. You see seeds? Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah seeds. Okay, this is gonna need a four and three quarters stainless butter knife. A wheat toast, you said? Yes, wheat. Uh, probably should use a serrated. Please, hurry. My address is 1535... Mr. So... Mitchell, I'm, I'm already in your driveway. Wow. Spreadums. Smoothing out emergencies since 1735. Spreadums, help. I tried spreading mustard with a fork. It's everywhere. We've got a frozen butter emergency. Uh, my in-laws are from Europe. They want two centimeters of cream cheese. What does that mean? This maple syrup won't stay on this cracker. I'm on my way. Spreadums. Spreadums. And we're back. 
Now, when we return from commercial, the Tick is once again on one of his righteous rants as the, the armed men are trying to yell back, but because of their masks, he cannot understand them. And uh, he's <laughs> yelling at them to enunciate. It was a pretty funny scene. Meanwhile, the crusading chameleon crawls in through the skylight and across the ceiling, and he lands on the bank's plaid curtains, and yeah, he has a very difficult time. <laughs> yeah, that that was hilarious. One of the um, colleges I ended up applying to, their school color was plaid. I didn't know that could actually, <laughs> if that was a color by itself, but apparently... Yeah, their their mascot, they're the Tartans. Oh, okay. Their mascot yep, was a <laughs> Scotty dog. They would this was Carnegie Mellon. Really? Oh, wow. And their yeah, their mascot, their color is plaid. Yeah, that's just, apparently that's disturbing. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't go there. That's that's horrible. <laughs> just because of that. Just because of that. Just... Want to go where there's God a cool mascot, wear... like a sun devil or something? Tartan. Well, you know, I'm. I don't know if I've said it officially on the podcast yet, but I will be going to WPI next year. Oh, here um, we go with the, you know. Oh, oh thanks, Oh, my Sean. goodness. <laughs> I was going to say that this mask, their mascot's even lamer. It's a goat. Greatest of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Gompy is the name. Gompy the goat. That's strange. Gompy? Yeah. Yeah, it's named after some, like, philosopher or something. I was going to say, it sounds like, to... like a Pokemon name or something. <laughs> it does. Oh, my God. I choose you, Gompy. <laughs> wow. Very strange. You sure you want to go there? Gompy. <laughs> Reminds me of Trumpy. Trumpy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Trumpy does stupid things. <laughs> <laughs> it's catchphrases. Get your goat on. T-shirts that say, I'm a student. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Oh, man. So in the middle of all this, the the tick just grabs a still-burning desk, and he throws it at the armed men, and it just wipes them all out through the front door and into the street. Arthur wakes up at this point and asks if they're dead, and the tick replies, Not yet, Arthur. We still have them on the run. Far from it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But they're too late, and the armed men, they grab ropes coming down from the sky, and they're, they're pulled up into this blimp bearing the bright logo of a light bulb. And I guess this is the only connection we have to them being called the Idea Men. I guess that they come up with schemes. The light bulb, yeah. (laughs) They have ideas on occasion. (laughs) So we cut to the local news station, Channel 17, and there's a news bulletin where desk anchor Sally Vacuum, I love the names (laughs) on this show, (laughs) she reports that the Idea Men have struck again, and Sally continues that this is now the sixth time the the idea men have come down from the sky to steal some of the city's most valuable assets, but their efforts were thwarted from this heroic blue stranger. And the, the one of my favorite lines in the show is in this when he was looking up and he says, uh, not only in the uh, the first part, but also in the replay in the TV um, newscast. Oh, they got a blimp. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's the tick has some great lines. Uh, one of my favorites, which of course isn't in this episode, but his the you, does anybody know? I, I'm sure Kevin knows the the tick's catchphrase. I do know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Please, please I enlighten don't. us. <laughs> Spoon. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> Spoon. Spoon is his Spoon. catchphrase. 
Does he need to eat yogurt like frequently? <laughs> Is that his weakness? <laughs> so Channel 17 also cuts to a press conference where the mayor of the city, who was Mayor Blank, tells the media that they believe the bank robbery was just a practice for this much larger heist they have planned. And uh, it's funny, it finishes, the newscast finishes with, uh, on a lighter note, clowns. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, stock footage of clowns. See, I don't find clowns to be a very light note. I f- <laughs> they're really terrifying they're and horrible yeah. note. Well, you were from a cynical generation. It was a simpler time back then and didn't take much to amuse us. <laughs> well, they could have just been like, on a lighter note, poop jokes, and that would have been fine. Oh, <laughs> no, not on a Saturday morning Come cartoon. on, it's just Fox. Guns are fine, but no poop. <laughs> Unless it's a poop gun, then I don't know. So we then cut to Arthur's apartment building where Arthur invites the Tick in and, and shows him around his place. And the Tick is, he's looking around in his playfully destructive way. And he's looking for the everyday household object that serves to uh, switch to reveal Arthur's secret crime-busting technology. Much like Batman in the 1960s had. What do you say? A candle that you can twist to open something up or a... Uh statue you can twist and everything flips over and your crime busting equipment pops out (laughs) (laughs) destroying the place yeah it's (laughs) hilarious and arthur's trying to convince him that there's really there's nothing special there and uh he even tells him that the couch just turns into a bed and that's that's just that it's just an apartment much to tick's confusion he he really thought that this was a a full-fledged superhero here absolutely not just somebody with quite a lot of problems to work out (laughs) two very troubled men that fortunately found each other's company so the tick tells arthur that his apartment's really gonna have to take a lot of work before it becomes a superhero headquarters and then arthur really seems at this point to have cold feet about the whole superhero life and he wonders if he's going crazy it uh the tick reassures him with uh, one of my favorite lines of this show <laughs> it says no you're not going crazy arthur you're going sane in a crazy world <laughs> love that line <laughs> it's so great and so then he orders arthur to hug his destiny and uh arthur then says he has to sleep on it and goes to the bedroom and uh meanwhile the tick sits on the couch and watches some television so is he just going to, like, hang out the whole time Arthur is sure. sleeping? I found that a little odd. Yes. If I I would have kicked him out <laughs> if I was going to take a nap. Especially if he just wrecked my whole apartment looking for some secret lair. <laughs> yeah, well, although, again, this is a, a very weird city, and I believe the apartment across the hall we find out later is inhabited by a, an interdimensional alien. <laughs> Well, you know, as long as he pays rent on time. So, yeah. Is that uh, Thrakazog? Yes, yes. Yes. So not the strangest guy Arthur has probably encountered that day, so <laughs> True. why not let him crash on the couch, literally crash on the couch, watch some television. <laughs> <laughs> the Tick watches TV and he sees a commercial for Drama Flakes, which is kind of a strange product. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that's uh, false advertising. <laughs> Well, it's funny reference to drama because the Tick actually has what's known as a drama power. And he's uh, able to get stronger the more dramatic the situation gets. They don't really explain it in this episode. I don't know if it gets explained further or if it's just a a comic book version of his powers. But I just thought that was funny. Reference to drama. (laughs) So the Tick sees a special report 
And the Idea Men have appeared again, and this time they're at the city's hydroelectric plant, and they've taken the, the dam hostage. And, uh, but nobody can understand their demands because of these thick metal masks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of the Idea Men has to write his demands down on a sign and hold it up for the cameras. <laughs> and uh, what, what was it? Give money or bomb damn flood city? Yeah, yeah, yep. Not even eloquent in, in his writing. So when the tick sees this and he just bursts into Arthur's bedroom and wakes him up and tells him that the city calls upon her steadfast protectors. And the, the we see that the tick now is not the only superhero that's watching the TV at that moment. And uh, <laughs> other superheroes begin to spring into action. Did you guys uh, oh, catch all of these? I'll tell you, one. I, I laughed out loud when I saw the uh, bipolar bear. <laughs> yes. That oh, cracked yeah. me up. <laughs> oh my god. That was the and I bl- I believe that the uh, the bipolar bear bit actually got edited out um, uh, on a couple of the rebroadcasts, and that's oh, unfortunate wow. because that is such a funny. Just the, the yep. costume itself is just hilarious. I think the bear head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thankfully they put the that scene in on the uh, the DVD set. Oh, that's good. You could see how some people would not find it the most uh, sensitive to a problem that people do go through, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, very funny joke. A guy he's dressed in a polar bear suit, and he wants to spring into action, but he goes back to bed because he's just having <laughs> a very it. tough month. <laughs> <laughs> One funny funny note on uh, on Bipolar Bear. Uh, he, actually, he did the voice of the uh, Idea Man as well, and it's uh, Ed Gilbert, who actually uh, probably really well known for being General Hawk in the G.I. Joe cartoons. Oh, oh wow. Okay. That's cool. And uh, we also see Captain Lemming in this scene. <laughs> And jump off a building. He just jumps off a building into what we can only assume is a terrible spinal injury. That's actually his uh his, his catchphrase. Catchphrase, yeah. <laughs> is uh, I'm looking up right now here. Was it like work with me spine work or something like that? Work with me spine, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And again, that was uh Mickey Dolenz who who did him as well. Oh. I wonder why he left after season 1. I don't know. It doesn't seem like he had much going for him around that time. <laughs> Another one of the reunion tours or something? Maybe. Yep. On a side note, uh, a show that we listened to called The Best Show, Tom Sharpling is the host, and he had a feud with, well, a a feud in his mind. Mm -hmm. Mickey Dolenz was not aware of this feud, but he had a feud with Mickey (laughs) Dolenz because he went to an after party at uh, the U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. He saw Mickey Dolenz, and he was a huge Monkees fan, and he went up to, to tell him how big of a fan he is. And Mickey Dolan's just went, meh, <laughs> turned around and walked away. <laughs> and Tom was so upset with this snub that he was brooding over it. He mentioned it on the show for years. <laughs> it became a, a key point of many comedy bits on his show. And uh, finally, through a man named uh, Andrew Sandoval, who was working on a, a Monkey's reunion tour, and I believe a box set, I'm not sure, they were able to finally meet up and uh, Tom... Uh, got to meet him and have a more pleasant conversation, and he declared the feud over. <laughs> I saw the monkeys a couple times at the uh, Melody Tent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, I like that, uh, that Peter Tork. He's quite a guy. Yeah. Isn't it, didn't his mom invent, like, uh, post-it notes or something? Liquid paper or something like that? <laughs> something like Yeah, I think it was Whiteout. <laughs> He's yeah. got Whiteout money. I think Peter that was Tork. Michael Nesmith, wasn't it? Oh, oh yeah, 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 that, yeah. Yep. And too badly lost Davy Jones. It's such a such a sad thing. I saw Davy Jones live in concert at SeaWorld in the year 2000. Huh. It's a very futuristic sentence. 
one of the other uh, characters which I thought was hilarious was the human bullet. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whose son believe... who fires him is actually called Fire Me Boy. Fire Me Boy. Fire me boy. <laughs> <laughs> and he, yeah, Human Bullets. Uh, I think he's the only uh, superhero assigned to the city who actually does not live in the city. He lives in the suburbs. Get, get oh yeah, that's funny. Side. Yeah, he has to get shot into the city. Yep. That's right. I've got a couple notes on Human Bullet. Uh, the guy who did uh, Human Bullet was Jess Harnell, uh, which I'm sure you guys know from uh, being Wacko Warner. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. He, yep, he also was the plumber in the Ratchet and Clank games, uh, ah. the voice of Crash Bandicoot, uh, Cedric in Sophia the First, um, and he was actually the Impossible Man in 1996's Fantastic Four TV series. Oh, nice. As well as Impossible Man in uh, 2011 Superhero Squad. Oh, wow. Which I thought that was kind of neat that he played Impossible Man in two different shows. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with that 94 Fantastic Four series? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some of that. I am not <laughs> you got to uh you got to look on YouTube for that opening theme song. It is the uh the cheesiest opening theme for uh <laughs> for any any animated series I think I, ever. <laughs> is it Gigantor material though? No, nothing oh, it's Gigantor. it's worse than Gigantor. Yeah, Gigantor is much better. Oh, come on. They also made an action figure of him. Do you have him? I did have that one, yes. I just hope he doesn't carpool with anybody. <laughs> yeah, crazy ride into the city. <laughs> and I should and, uh, mention I should mention that there's some great characters in this show and if anybody is interested in purchasing the action figures, even though these are 21 years old, they still are around and New England Comics sells them directly from their website. Do they really? I didn't see that. Yeah, pretty cheap, like 6 bucks. Wow. That's not bad. Wow. So if you want a human bullet action figure after listening to this show, make sure to visit newenglandcomics.com. Do they have a bipolar bear? Uh, they did not get around no. to the bipolar oh, bear. <laughs> I would buy was it, it in the a tick? <laughs> Was it the Tick series that had just an action figure of like a meat, like a big slab of meat? No. Oh, well, It was like the side of a cat or something. That was for Rocky, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It was it for was. Rocky. Hmm. Never mind. Yeah, it's one of those. That's one of those when you walk into the back of Newberry Comics, you go to like yep. the weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weird section. I want to buy his side of cow for my little Rocky <laughs> to hit. <laughs> uh. Sure, kid. Just pay another 12 bucks. <laughs> yep. So all these heroes, they mobilize after seeing the special report. And on top of Arthur's building, Tick tells him that it's time to put on his wings and fly. And Arthur then reveals that he's never actually flown before. So he's always had these wings. He's always had them in a briefcase with him, but never actually flown before. So Tick tells him, that's eh, not a problem. <laughs> so we cut to Arthur standing at the top of the roof, and he has his wings on, and he's nervously standing on the ledge. And Arthur doesn't want to do it, but Tick tells him, you know, it's it's your destiny, and he needs to hug it. <laughs> so he slaps him on the back. I mean, this could very well be his death. But he pushes him off the building, and Arthur begins to really get the hang of it quite quickly, and then flies with great ease. Which, I want to know what these wings are made of. <laughs> I want to know where he purchased them. I would like a pair. Me too, yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Comic-Con. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but another example of why this show works better as an animated series than live action. Yep. So the two heroes, they travel as far as they can within the city until they 
run out of roofs. They've reached the city limits pretty much. And they're confronted by Deflator Mouse, and he's voiced here by Cam Clark. And uh, he's essentially the Batman uh, of the city, Batman-type superhero. Uh, as well as American Maid, uh, voiced by Kay Lenz, who's more, who's more of an actress than a, a voiceover actress. Deflator Mouse describes her as the most patriotic domestic. <laughs> Basically Wonder Woman in a, a maid costume. Yeah. And uh, Deflator Mouse, does anybody know the German translation of Deflator Mouse? I do. The bat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so again, not not so subtle reference. They, the two of them, they seem to be at odds, and they tell each other to go home, and the, the tick suggests that they should all work together, but uh, Deflator Mouse says that he's not going to team up with her, to which American Maid replies, there's that fear of commitment again. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, very yeah. <laughs> uh, not-so-subtle hints at past romances. Yes. So they, they continue to call each other names, and uh, the tick and Arthur continue towards the dam, but meanwhile, on a nearby rooftop, if you thought Tick was the most deranged person in this show, here comes <laughs> the new leader in the clubhouse. This is a man known as Big Shot, and he springs into action. He's a very large, muscular, mentally unstable man. He has a skull on his belt bearing the words goodbye, and a trunk-like backpack full of weapons that he wears right on his back, and he just laughs maniacally, and he's shooting a nearby chimney into the shape of a skull. And uh, basically, he's a parody of the Punisher. Oh, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. they're beating you over the head with that, definitely. <laughs> At this point in in the episode, yeah, my son just started cracking up, <laughs> and he was just like, "I get it." He's like, "He's like the Punisher, the Bat Guy. He's like Batman." And he just went through like all the characters that we've seen so far in in the episode, and just he was like, "I get it." Kind of like you could see, <laughs> he just kind of put it all together, like. It's even funnier now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, it's so fun. And this is certainly a character they could not get away with now for a kid's Saturday morning show. Oh, no. It's horrible. No, yeah, no it, way. They're like te- tears streaming down his face <laughs> yes, as he's on so clips of Manic tears. Bullets. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I... <laughs> and he is firing bullets. This is not, these aren't lasers, like no, the cheap way no. of them getting away with it past the uh, standards and practices. He's using live ammunition throughout this. Yeah. And and lasers really are I would think more lethal than bullets and or more terrifying to me. You could be like lasered right in half. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> As he's crying, "Why didn't you love me, mom?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real appropriate. Uh, a lot of emotional <laughs> issues there. <laughs> so then we cut to commercial. When we return, we see that the Idea Men's blimp is still stationed there at the top of the hydroelectric plant as Channel 17 News continues to cover the story. And we see that the mayor has brought the ransom money. It's 10 million municipal dollars for the criminals. (laughs) So we then cut to the Tick and Arthur, now in a taxi approaching the dam. They just decided to probably be quicker than trying to jump there. And behind them are the human bullet and Big Shot, who stops to shoot up the no trespassing sign into the shape of a skull. <laughs> More of those manic tears streaming down his face. It's a trail of um, breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> so inside the dam, the idea men, they mumble to one another in celebration. That's a very funny scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was good. But even though they received the $10 million, one of them decides to activate the bomb anyway. <laughs> And we see a very unorthodox countdown of 99 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, the, the tick angrily complains, no fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like villains are just supposed to play by some sort of rules. <laughs> it's funny how the, but the tick reacts as a, probably a small child watching the show would. No fair. Yeah. And he sneaks up on four of the idea men and he flicks one of their heads. And much like the, you know, the metal balls that you would see on an office desk in like the 1980s. Yeah, like, yeah, like a pendulum type deal where it all, I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Clonks them together. Yeah, pretty yeah. much flicks one of them and their, their helmets hit one another and they all fall to the ground. So as the Tick picks up one of them, his helmet swings open and Tick asks what his plan was. And he explains that they thought they would steal a lot of money. Then they would be rich, and they wouldn't have to work anymore. <laughs> this is a solid plan. Which is exactly I'm my parents' rationale <laughs> for uh, buying lottery tickets. <laughs> Has that worked uh, out for him so far? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so the tick then asks him to disarm the bomb, which is now down to 60 seconds. It's explained to him that once the bomb is activated, it can't be shut off. So tick grabs... The bomb rips it from where it was affixed and begins to try to defuse it and again in his own less than gentle way. He just smashes his hand through the side of it and just randomly pulling out wires. And uh, meanwhile, the idea men try to flee, but they're blown back by an explosion from Big Shot, who now enters. And his guns are just blazing and he's laughing <laughs> as he's firing every last round into the air. And uh, Tick explains that guns and superheroes don't mix. So a lesson for the kids watching. <laughs> but it was a funny moment when he tells Big Shot to seek professional help. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know you're bad when the tick tells you that you should really talk to somebody about your problems. Which I wonder if that line would have been even funnier if they had kept the uh, the comic book origins. Yes. <laughs> oh, that would have been even better. <laughs> you could probably even refer him to some people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the Tick now realizes that his hand is actually stuck in this bomb. So he's essentially a walking time bomb. So he begins to run away as Big Shot cries about his mother while hugging Arthur. <laughs> so meanwhile, at the top of the dam, the Idea Men, they begin to ascend to their blimp. But the Tick arrives, running toward them with his hand still stuck at the explosive device. It was very, very funny. Some of them, they flee and they jump off the dam. They're, they're probably dead. As, as the tick pulls his bomb out at arm's length and he sees the countdown arrive at zero and he just stands there and pretty much endures the entire explosion, which is pretty big. Too bad he's not the cockroach. Then he would have an easier time surviving. <laughs> I don't know. He did pretty good. He's yeah, not invulnerable. He's, uh... so. that's, that's true. Yes, yes. And we, we see that giant cloud of smoke and the it's enough... I guess, to protect the dam, but the explosion, I guess, went up, so the blimp was on fire. And uh, we see all the men parachute to safety. The tick just stands there. He's holding a few burnt wires, and he coughs out a small plume of smoke. But, yeah, as Kevin mentioned, that's that's just about it. So Arthur then runs up and tells him, well, I guess we saved the city. The tick gives him this uh, this whole speech. For the moment, yes, my friend, but with luck, our future holds still more dire threats, more perilous plots. Wherever villainy rears its great big head, wherever evil sets its giant ill-smelling foot, you will find the tick. And then, uh, encouraging Arthur grabs his shoulders and, and Arthur says, oh, and Arthur, his sidekick. And the tick continues, good show, and yes, my sidekick Arthur, certainly a force to be reckoned with, and so may evil beware, and may good dress warmly, and eat plenty of fresh vegetables. <laughs> and then, my favorite part of the entire episode... <laughs> 
the human bullet comes flying in and crashes in. I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so which a clank. Yeah, yeah. And, and that'll kind of be a, a running gag throughout, you know, the cartoon. It's just human bullet just constantly arriving late. <laughs> So then we cut to the end credits. We see it's basically a, a stationary screenshot of the tick along with the, an instrumental version of the theme. We didn't really talk about this theme song. It, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just a, a scat version. <laughs> dot dwee dot 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 dwee dow. Yeah. And uh, again, the, the show ends with the logos for Sunbow Productions, Graz Entertainment, Fox Kids, and Saban International. So what was everybody's thoughts upon seeing this episode? I had forgotten a lot of it. You know, it's it, having watched the entire series back when it first aired, it, there were so many of the minor characters that I just completely forgot about, um, uh, like Bipolar Bear, Captain Lemming, <laughs> it, all of those. And I going into it, I couldn't remember. I knew there was a whole bunch in it. I just couldn't remember who exactly it was. So, it, it, and watching it with my kids, it was, you know, they were just cracking up and having a great time so I, i'm looking forward to watching uh the rest of the series with them yeah i gotta say the share those same thoughts as kevin had uh my kids love this my boys and they were dying to watch the next episode but unfortunately it was bedtime so and they asked me about today again you know i'm gonna watch the tick again they really enjoyed it so i thought it was very very clever i love cartoons or animated series that have the adult humor side of things that isn't so blatant that kids can't, you know, kids don't see it. They just see the funny, kid-friendly parts of it. You know, they just see the cartoon yeah, butts. Exactly, the cracks. <laughs> but there are these, these subtle, you know, themes, you know, like bipolar bear. Kids not going to know what that is, but I think it's hilarious. And I love when you can have both those um, aspects together in a show. There's very few shows that pull it off well. It's either... Very unbalanced, you typically in my experience. But yeah, this the tick does it very well. So I look forward to the next next episode with them too. I'm gonna have to have the um, same opinion, even though I don't have kids. <laughs> but uh, I really did enjoy the show. I thought it was hilarious. It was something I would watch again in a heartbeat. And I'm upset that I didn't have it growing up. So I'll just have to make up for lost time. <laughs> Yeah, this is a show that, uh, as I mentioned, I grew up watching. I love this show. I, I like Kevin. I tried to record episodes on uh, on our VCR, our family VCR, when I was finally allowed to use it by myself. J just such a funny show, and uh, one of those shows that it doesn't air anymore on any channel, and uh, it's not on Netflix. It's basically something you kind of have to hunt down online, and there are some DVD sets out there, but just a a great show, like Sean said. Stuff for kids and adults, and stuff that you can uh, appreciate. You know, watching it as an older person, probably get more out of it than you than you saw as a younger person. But uh, really funny, and uh, thank you very much, Kevin, for uh, bringing it up because I, I totally forgot about this series. Oh, no problem. There is one other character I wanted to mention uh, before we end that actually wasn't in the animated series, but was a character in the comic book series. And it's really close to our heart, living where we do. The name of the character is the Caped Cod. Did you see this? <laughs> really? Yeah. And I'm looking up right now. It describes him as he's a hero. His real name is Walter, a violent, womanizing alcoholic. 
<laughs> has had four <laughs> wives, all of them divorced him and four sidekicks. You'd think it'd be like an elderly person who enjoys playing golf. Or can't, yeah, yeah, right. or can't drive. Yeah. That'd be a more accurate uh, representation. Of... Wearing a salmon-colored alligator shirt with the collar popped. and <laughs> oh, yeah. Cape Cod. Yeah, I don't live there anymore, so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben Edlund, I believe, is from Pembroke, Massachusetts. So yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of references. References, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that, that's one. That's a comic book I never read. I've only been familiar from the show. I'd love to go back and and read some of those issues. I know the uh, the DVDs of the animated series. Uh, they're missing uh, a handful of episodes. So I think uh, season one's missing one. Season two, I think, is also missing one. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Do they, is there any reason why? Was there a rights <clears throat> issue? or? I would assume so. I, I'm not 100% sure. I I remember watching an episode. Uh, oh, what is the guy's name? It's like Omnipotus. And it's like a Galactus parody. Oh, right. Do you yeah. remember that guy? Yep. And he was like obsessed with the moon. He thought it was like a giant cookie. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> I loved that episode because I always loved Galactus. I always loved that character. The episode is hilarious. I think at one point Tick is like driving like a golf cart or something like up his back. <laughs> like Tick becomes his friend, but uh, he ends up taking a bite out of the moon. And for the rest of the series, whenever you see the moon, there is a big bite taken out of it. Yep. And there's another villain named Chairface Chippendale, whose head is literally a, a chair. And it's for, I can't remember now because it's been so long, but it's, I think it's for his birthday. They're going to etch chair or Chairface into the moon. Yep. But he's thwarted after CHA. So the rest of the episodes after that, the moon says cha and has a bite taken out of it. So very funny continuity that they kept up with. Yeah, there's there's just so many great characters in, in this show. I mean, you've got uh, Little Wooden Boy. Um, <laughs> it even goes to the point of uh, the tick fighting a cold, which is a hilarious episode. <laughs> it's the uncommon cold. That's great. Yeah, and I'm not sure about or season two and three. Like, uh, I know season one, the names of the episodes are The Tick versus Blank. Yeah. Do they um, stay like that for seasons two and three? You know, I don't remember. But it's a funny format. It's just like, yeah, this is going to be the villain of the week. And some return, of course. No, it looks like looks like they didn't. Uh, season two, it was uh, Little Wooden Boy in the Belly of Love, uh, <laughs> Harmless But Not Harmless. Uh, Coach Fussell's Lament, Bloomsday, um, which, oh yeah, Bloomsday, that was the one with uh, El Seed. Oh yes. And Rosebud. Somebody Although, operating uh, a forklift? No, that's the my hot water heater, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it, it shares a wall with my office. So it's in the other room, but it just kind of, you can hear right. it going. Um, let's see, season three, you got uh, Tick versus Dot and Nell's Wedding. So it looks like they sort of went back to it. Oh no, season two, there's a couple of versus uh, episodes. Okay. But no, they didn't didn't stick with it for the the entire time. <laughs> well, that'll pretty much do it for this episode of Hitting Play. As always, you can email us with your comments, suggestions, your memories of the tick, whatever you got for us at hittingplayshow at gmail.com. And you can always talk to us on Twitter at Hitting Play. Uh, now, Kevin, how can we find some of your great work? Uh, well, you can find me on uh, on Twitter at One Wall Cinema, uh, O N E W A L L Cinema. Uh, you can figure out how to spell cinema on your own, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so I'm on uh, on Twitter. There's a One Wall Cinema page on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Vine. Don't post all that often, but 
Yeah, I try to on occasion. Um, those are probably the best ways to uh, keep track of, you know, what all I've got going on uh, between uh, the IRIF videos, which is like mystery science theater type stuff, kids videos. Uh, my kids have a kids unboxing stuff uh, series where they basically get loot crate and all that jazz and uh, kind of do reviews while they while they open it up. Very cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. The award-winning uh, kids unboxing stuff series. Uh, they they won uh, a loot crate contest and actually uh, they won the best kids video. So. Oh wow! Congratulations! Oh, wow. that's cool. awesome. So yeah, it's been it's been fun doing those. Uh, kind of reenact different scenes and stuff like that. They did a scene from Monty Python uh, at the beginning of one of their videos. So. Oh wow, that's awesome. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else. Um, uh, occasionally I show up on, uh, my brother's, uh, craft beer review show. Uh, it's called two Kyles on craft beer, uh, over on YouTube, but yeah, uh, like I said, uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, best ways to keep track of everything I've got going on. If you enjoy video games, you can find me on YouTube, uh, Lilliputian 22. I make silly jokes and play some of your favorite video games. And you can also find me on Twitter at this with the uh, same handle. It's my turn now. Please. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we also have a uh, group uh, YouTube site, me, Scott, and Lily, where we do play Minecraft, mostly Minecraft, or all Minecraft. It's, uh, Three Blind Mice uh, Minecraft. Uh, you could put that in the YouTube search engine, I'm assuming, and it'll come up. We are about to be posting some new things in the near future because we just did a bunch of stuff in the past week or so. Some real stinkers, but we'll put them up there. <laughs> also, a shout out to New England Comics. Um, I'm not doing this because I hope for free comic books, but you never know. Someone hey, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. I got some real uh, gaps in my Justice League collection and just be filled up. Uh, but New England Comics, uh, creator of The Tick, uh, find locations throughout Massachusetts. Um, especially the Quincy store, which we love. Me and yes. Scott have dropped quite a few dimes in that place. Um, <laughs> quite a few. Quite a, many dimes. They've got a, <laughs> a fantastic silver and bronze room. I gotta say, it's it's one of a kind. So I definitely would agree with you on that. Yes. You know, I've spent quite a few lunch breaks uh, at work wandering through there. So, <laughs> Perusing. So head on yep. over, New England Comics. I am on Twitter at MC and Friends. You can find me there. I'm also on Vine. My name is MC and Friends there as well. I do little flip page animations and I try to make them funny. And I also want to mention that you can subscribe to us on iTunes and please leave us a five star review if you like the show. And it helps us out. And if you do, you will get a shout out on the show. We try to be creative with those. And you can also tap to rate us five stars if you want to just do it that way. It's a very simple. Just one click, and uh, it's definitely appreciated. Well, this was great, Kevin, really. Thank you for taking the time to to join us on oh, the no show. Problem. Yeah, it very was, much. Was Thank you. Not a problem. I had a blast. Well, we have been Kevin, Lily, Sean, and Scott, and this has been Hitting Play. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. Until next time. <laughs> Spoo!